Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for worldwide ITSM professionals. Learn more at theitsmreview.com. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our friends at Manage Engine. Manage Engine's portfolio of help desk management solutions, including Service Desk Plus, deliver a comprehensive platform to manage your end users and provide efficient support. Learn more at www.manageengine.com. Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast. This is podcast number two. Uh, my name is Barclay Ray and I am ably assisted uh, as ever by Rebecca Beach. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Barclay. How are you today? Oh, I'm absolutely top hole, as they say in the UK. Um, okay. I don't know how that translates into... Awesome, I suppose, if, if you're listening outside of the UK. How would you say it in Scotland, Barclay? Fine. <laughs> Those alert listeners may have noticed there's a third person on our, on our podcast today, um, the revered and noted uh, ITSM guruist, um, Stuart Rance. Stuart, hi, how are you doing? Hello, Barkley. I'm doing great, thank you. How, how do you say that in Essex? Oh, I don't do Essex. You don't do that? I, have I, thought you... kids. I have to ask my kids for that. <laughs> okay. Um, delighted to have you on today, and we will. We'll, we've got various different sections of, of, of our podcast and where we'll come back and talk more in detail to you and we're also going to talk about CSI today which I know is a favourite topic of yours um, but just really f- for now we're going to start with a little bit of news, ITSM news. Uh, Rebecca, what would you like to introduce the topics? What have, what have we got? What's been happening in the world? And uh, we can start babbling about it. Ah, what have we got this week? I think HDI um, has been constantly on my Twitter feed. Lots and lots of um, nuggets of of the sessions coming out from there. It looks like everybody had a fantastic time. Everybody seemed very positive about that. In the sun, of course, it seemed to be looked like it was. Although I think I think there were some comments about finally managed to get outside and see the sun. So uh, sounds a bit like uh, you were at Fusion where you didn't see daylight for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, it just took me four days to work out how to get out of the hotel, never mind actually <laughs> see the sun. It was just such a big place. Um, yeah, lots of lots of tweets there. Lots looked like there was lots of content. I mean, it it is very much the HDI and help desk in the US show, big show. Lots of I, I didn't see too many, um, you know, practitioner tweets. I have to say, I, I was looking at the, the the hashtag. It was a, it was a lot of vendor tweeting, um, and, which is a little bit disappointing, I suppose. A lot of the uh, the usual suspects, um, but by all accounts, good good time was was had by all. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of shows, we've got other shows coming up. Well, obviously, we had Pink about a month or so ago. We've got in the UK the Sit Show coming up at the end of April, uh, which I am looking forward to with for various reasons, pre- presenting and white papers and all sorts of stuff. Um, Stuart, you're presenting at that, are you? Um, no, I'm not presenting. I'm doing a, a round table and I'm sitting on a panel, but I think you're running. Uh, yeah, indeed, I am running a panel. Thank you for reminding me. Um, but yes, I mean, th- there's lots of things going on. We've got Gartner coming again, um, you know, lots of big hitters there, um, Jeff Brooks and so on, actually coming and giving us their stuff over here. Um, lots of vendors signed up. Uh, so I, I, um, I've done the white paper on customer experience, which... Um, I think looks pretty good and, and, and hopefully will be well received. Um, and I'll tell you a story, Barclay, about Jeff Brooks at last year's SIT. Does it involve well, drinking or... No, okay. No, yeah. no, no, no. So there was a 
a series of hot tables where people could come and talk about topics. And I cannot remember what the topic was at this particular table, but for some reason, I was sat there chatting to Colin Rudd and Jeff Brooks, and one poor practitioner turned up to ask a question and got the three of us for 30 minutes chatting about how they ran their IT and coming up with that. And I thought, what a great value for money that guy got out of his six. I was going to say, and he was never seen again. <laughs> Poor bloke, yeah. I mean, those tables, I mean, I think they're called round tables, not hot tables. I mean, hot tables sounds yeah. pretty good as well, but... Um, <laughs> I don't think it's the same thing, Barclay. No. I, um, <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes you get a lot of people come, and then other times you just get one poor poor soul who's who's made the journey I from... I think he really enjoyed it, actually. He got a lot out of it, because we could talk in detail about, like, what he was doing and his improvement plans and... Well, there you go. If, if you're going to sits and you haven't already signed up for for a, a round, well, I think maybe we should rename them hot tables. Um, th there you go. You might end up sitting at a table with three or more absolutely um, luminescent uh, ITSM people across the or, uh, from across the world, not just from the UK. Um, so looking forward to, to sits. Uh, at the same time, we've got the No Conference in San Francisco, the ServiceNow Conference. Rebecca, you're going to that, aren't you? I am. Just back to sits very quickly. Um, I just wanted to say that um, I know that one of the guys, um, one of our chaps from ITSM Reviews, organising a meetup. I think for the uh, during the show. Oh yes. So if anybody would like to uh, come along to that, I believe that the information has just gone onto the website. It has. I saw it earlier. It's. It's. Uh, I think it's a social gathering, which is probably. I think Wednesday, on the, wed the, the Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, about five o'clock. I think so. So those of you that haven't drunk enough the night before um, and want to carry on, then there's the opportunity to do that. So on the ITSM Review website, uh, the ITSM social um, chapter is, is happening again. So um, no, uh, the, the No Conference in San Francisco is always, a, I mean, I think it's the biggest, isn't it, in terms of num actual numbers of people. Uh, I think, yeah. So have you worked out your, your schedule of what you're going to go and see and... Yeah, I've kind of yeah, I've been having a look at at, at this at the at the schedules. I'm very excited to go to the hackathon. Um, geeky tendencies raising their head there. Um, it's something that I, I've wanted to to see for for quite a long time. So uh, really, really excited for that. And of course, the innovation of the year awards. It's always exciting to see so so things people have been up to. For for an old person like me, a hackathon is is what people just. Um taking swipes at each other or, or are, there weapon, are there weapons involved? Do they, do they need... Um... I don't believe so, but it will be very exciting if there are. Um, it's basically a race against the clock. Um, teams just try to create um, just new, innovative um, things that you can do using the ServiceNow platform. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure it will be very exciting. I, I won't be there. I'll be at SITS, of course, but um, both things happening at the end of the of the month. Other, I mean, in terms of just the market and the, the vendors, what's been happening, a few things been happening the last month or so. Um, we had the announcement from Manage Engine about their new kind of model for how they sell their products. So their base product, uh, Service Desk Plus, I think it's called, is now free, free to air. Um, very brave, uh, very interesting move. I think they're trying to, you know, disrupt the market and I suppose bringing you know a, a different level of uh, 
people looking at their product. They, all, they already have quite a large install base, but um, they all obviously part of Zoho. So I think the the goal is to bring more people into the wider wider tool set. Um, sure. What's your thoughts on on that as a, as a as a move? I think I think I think it's very clever. The functionality that they've made available like that is quite limited. Um, is it? Incident and problem, I'm not sure, or just incident management. I know I looked through it and I thought, I reckon that not many people are going to be satisfied with that for very long, but it's a great way of getting people in and getting them hooked mm. on your product. I think at the kind of entry level, uh, if you don't really know what you want uh, and you don't want to spend a lot of money on you know, a, a full modular system, then it, it's, it's absolutely great. I think if you're at the enterprise level and, you're buy and you want to, by you know extended functionality, then you're going to have to spend anyway. You know, you, even if you went with yeah, Manage absolutely. Engine, you're going to have to go and look at all. You know, so I suppose it doesn't really challenge that immediately. But I think, it, as you say, it does actually open up the market. I, and it would be interesting. I remember having I saw Ken Gonzalez blogging the other day about a conversation we had about three years ago at, at Pink, where he was talking about disruption in the market and it's starting to happen and so on so quite interesting uh, quite interesting times and and you know we'll, it will be good to see what happens and, and how other vendors respond um, I mean I'd, even even as we speak there are still more coming at the market I see Unisys now have a an offering based on tool set I think they've had for a while but it's now out there as a as a sellable offering edge I think it's called uh, which has just happened in the last month or so. Talking about enterprise stuff, I was impressed with the announcement from HP recently that they're rolling their autonomy, big data, unstructured data analytics engine into their Service Anywhere product so that it will effectively do some level of automated proactive problem management on your unstructured data in your service records. I think that's quite an interesting feature. That that really does sound. I mean, anything that that can start to sort of disentangle that stuff uh, does sound really excellent. I mean, I, I've been really cheered in the last year or two just to see so many more ways of looking at things like problem management that that just weren't there before. It was all just kind of like, well, there you go, get on with it. There's a bit of functionality, but you know, with things like that, looking at the data, and you know, you've got things people like IT involved and so on who've got. Quite an interesting approach. For me, problem management is the biggest business opportunity in most IT organizations. There's mm -hmm. a few people that think they're doing problem management, or so yep. they are, but when you look, there's yep. such a missed opportunity for so many people there. Yeah, I attended um, one of the um, Open Limits Gaming Works um, simulation. simulation, thank you, um, in the week, uh, last week, and it was fantastic and something that really came out of that was how little goes into problem management and how it you know it's something that in fact the whole game or the fact that nobody was really doing problem management and once that it gets in the middle of everything um, we've been actually most payment yeah, it, it kind of it's quite mind-boggling really isn't it yeah people aren't really doing it and haven't really been doing it properly and and uh, it's time you know it I mean I I but call it's been it the game time, changer. we were saying, for a very long we time. On... We keep, we've been telling them that for a long time. I know. Time. I know. It's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm cheered in the sense that there, there, there's more innovation coming out on that from the tools. And, and there has been mm. more of an attempt to try and help people in the last couple of years than, than we have had. You know, the focus was always on service desk incident 
service level management. Um, whereas now we're seeing some innovative approaches to to doing that. And just finishing off on on the the product side, I think we also um, as I said have got the their new version, which has got patch management, uh, which looks pretty good as well. I think we were saying. Did you had a look at that, Stuart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it looks quite interesting. It's basically rolling in the deployment of patches into the the service desk tool, which is quite interesting. It you know gives it a little bit more scope for yeah. small and medium organisations to manage their services properly. So there's plenty going on. There's plenty happening in the industry at the moment. Um, the thing we haven't talked about is Axelos, um, which I, I I think in fact I found a, a somewhere dug up a clip from the ITSMF conference last year uh, when I was asked about it and everybody saying what do Axelos need to do and I, th I had said they need to do something really brave and they have, they've, they've hired Kaimar Karu as head of ITSM and certainly I, I know you and I both have been involved in trying to sort of help them to define some stuff um, which has been quite interesting talking about what are the, what are the key values of, of ITSM and ITIL what, what, what does it actually mean to organisations? Um, and you've started the cyber security book, Stuart. How, where are you with that? How's how's that going? It, 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 it's really interesting. I've, I've got to take some cognizance of an NDA whilst I talk here. But so Axelos, it's not just a cyber security book any more than ITIL is just a book. It's um, a whole set of best practice around cyber security, including publication, exams, mm. training, certification, all sorts. The, the, the whole gamut as you get with any of the other things in the best practice portfolio. Mm. And ITIL's always been a little bit weak on information security management. I've never known an organization to say, we need to do information security management. Let's pick up the ITIL book because that's got a chapter on information security management. That, that has never happened, has it? No, it's always been a bit of a kind of an ad, you know, it, or it's been done somewhere else, or you know that other people in the organisation yeah. are doing it. So it should be part of the. It should be absolutely integral to the whole, yeah. particularly these days. So, so the, this isn't, I don't think, going to be part of the ITIL brand, but it will be part of the best management practice brand, and it's a whole set of stuff on cyber security, and it should at least tie up with ITIL and have overlapping and stuff that works together and has been thought about together because face it if you're trying to run IT you need to have one management system you don't have a, a service management system and an information security management system and a quality management system and a mm. whatever else management you have one management system that meets all your needs for services for security and for whatever else and whilst these things are disparate it's very very hard to get out the reports you need and all that sort of stuff uh-huh I mean, an interesting point you made there as well, just sort of pulling that back a little bit about, you know, what you're saying that whether things would be part of the ITIL publication. I mean, is, is that the way we see it going, that there'll be just be, rather than trying, you know, we're not going to see a, a big rewrite of ITIL, and, you know, for, for some time, really. We're, we're going to see lots of new things coming out that are complementary or that are forward thinking. Gosh, your guess is as good as mine on that. Um, I know the cybersecurity stuff's coming, and that's going to be a, quite a, a long project before it's all there and stable and running along. Um, the plans for ITIL, all I've heard about plans for ITIL is that there's no intention of making any big radical changes in the short term. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that, that's a shame. The people that I've spoken to, practitioners mainly, believe that it should be condensed, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this the right way, but 
start to look more at the a few of the main processes and kind of make that the central and then have some of the others that are not used by everybody all the time to be the add-ons like the cybersecurity kind of thing because they feel that it's too much to take in all in one go. Are you I agree. talking about the foundation exam, Mel? Mm. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, I mean, in terms of the publication, in terms of the actual content, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more in terms of it needs to be condensed, it needs to be shortened, um, simplified, and also focused. So, what are the you know what are the key elements um, that need to come out? I do have some. I think at first I was quite keen that it would have been rewritten sooner as well. But actually, in, in a way, if it's not, I think I think that also works quite well because it, it sort of deflects any problems and, and challenges with the need to then change all the, the training world and that, that in itself is a, is a nightmare you know so yeah and if they did change it you know there'd, there'd be the people that would say that they just want to change it to put their stamp on it and make it obvious that they're coming in and making something new do you see what I mean so I think yes. it's good that they're taking their time to get it right I think it's better to take their time but but in the interim, we might see some quite you know interesting stuff coming out that that points us in the right direction and points that that starts to do things in a more short and and summary and and um, I suppose systemized fashion as well. You know, we it's, yeah. it tends to just have been a kind of uh, stream of consciousness. Um, where whereas actually, if we have something that's a bit more structured, uh, it allows us to build things around that. So that might take a little bit more time, but. I know just from the work that's that's been started on value proposition and how it's defined and how it's how it's communicated to people that the the right kind of intentions the right kind of goals are are being used to 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 try and work in that direction. So um, mm -hmm. I'm quite positive about that, to be honest. And and that saying that as somebody who's sat on the sidelines for a while and and you know chipped in the odd. Um, Sarky comment. So I mean, I'm, I'm very positive about it. You know, the, the but, most positive move I've seen from Axelos so far is the appointment of Kaimar. I was really surprised by that, and after I got over my surprise, I was really, really pleased because <laughs> Kaimar does not come from an old-fashioned process-based IT service management. is all about documenting your processes and configuring <laughs> configuring your tools background. Yeah, and also he doesn't come from a theoretical service value I don't care if you don't understand what I'm talking about you should listen harder background which we also get some of in IPSM. Mm -hmm. Kaimar comes from an incredibly practical DevOps we've got to actually kick some people into working together to create value for our customers background which I think is what I still need yeah I think so Absolutely, you know, practical experience and current experience, and you know, I mean, they couldn't have made a, a bigger statement about you know breaking away from the old uh, the old guard. I think, um, and, yeah, and you know, he's like you and me. Absolutely, um, and you know, and he's he's very 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 capable, and and you know, just at the right, I think, just at the right kind of age and and experience, you know, where he's got the drive to do it and and wants to make it work and and uh, is not encumbered by the previous sort of 20 odd years history of, of, of what's happened. So very positive, I think, um, and we'll see, we'll see how that progresses. Um, just the last thing on, on news, we had last week in the UK, we, had the, we have a top 100 list of CIOs every 
every year that's that's brought out. Um, and you know, like any of these things, they are. Uh, it depends who applies and then who's involved. But it's quite interesting, you know, to have a hundred people on there, um, and you know, in terms of what they what they're doing, what they've done for their organisations. Um, I think a couple of things that were quite interesting coming out. Still, not enough women uh, in in that role, um, but also just the na the nature of the the role itself and how that's changing. Um, how it needs to be more current and business focused and digital aware, all those kind of good things. Um, but some of the stuff about the the uh, you know sea level um, data CDO whatever it's called split between chief information officer and chief data officer, which I've never really chief quite. Digital officer, I think CDO was. Uh, sorry, digital. Yeah, which I, I still, I guess, I probably still need to be taken aside and then explained to me because I, I do read them and think, yeah, I get that, and then I don't. But that doesn't seem to have happened. That's the point. Is it still seems to be a bit of a uh, a mystery, certainly in the UK. Although I think there's some traction in the US on that. But um, it's always it's always good to see um, that kind of area of of, of the. Of the profession being um, being focused on, never mind rewarded, but just focused on, and and the, and the role of the CIO, which is a constant discussion discussion point. Um, to me, it's it, it's absolutely central to whether we're going to get things done and and how we're going to get supported. I don't know what you feel about that, Stuart, from your experience. I'll tell you what. When I first learned about CIOs, I was a techie. I did you know hardware and software support, and then. I got into service management, but only just. I was pretty junior, and I had a proposal for some improvement work we wanted to do for the customer. And they took me to see the CIO. The CIO said to me, we spend 7.5% of our company revenue on IT, and my competitors spend 7.25%. So how is what you're proposing going to reduce my total spend on IT? And I thought, ah, oh, that's what a CIO does. Absolutely. If they all it was did a that, for me as a techie who was all there ready to talk about techie stuff. Yeah, yeah, databases and, and operating systems and, and infrastructure. Yeah. yeah, but actually, they they need to be. I mean, I I am the, the the other side of that is quite often I'm quite surprised when I go in and meet those people and they don't know what those numbers are and they don't have that sense wow. of, you know, they don't have that sense of where they where they need to be in the organisation helping the organisation drive forward and one of the, one of the people on the list that I know I've been working with recently who is is heading a big project to transform her organization and um, you know that that's very much the focus of, of where she's going in terms of supporting the organization's goals uh, which as a university is, is to try and get you know get to the next level of, of universities um, so I mean that's that's very much business focused and and you know I think we need the CIO to be completely in tune with that rather than being somebody who as you say was just a techie who's been pushed up to being the manager of the IT guys. Well um, here's another story about a CIO who I think was the best CIO that I've worked with and it was in an NHS trust and her previous job had been head of nursing mm -hmm. and she didn't know anything techie at all but she knew what she wanted to deliver she knew how to motivate people and she knew how to measure and report, and she was good. Oh, it's interesting. Both of the ex examples we've given there are women. Must be something in that. Um, that is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to weigh in as well, but unfortunately, I've never worked for an organisation that had one before. So maybe one day you will be a CIO, and um, you can sort go and sort them all out. 
Well, maybe. Although I'd like to just state for the record, um, if my boss is listening, that I'm very happy in the job that I have at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we can always edit that. And, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, right. Moving on. That's that's our that's our news uh, section. Um, just just I mean, he's been very quiet as you, as you've heard already. But um, our guest today, Stuart. Um, who many of you I'm sure will know um, and have met at conferences or training courses or, or you know, in, in a number of different um, situations. Um, Stuart, I mean, you recently have gone out on your own, having been working with HP for, I, I don't know how many years, but I mean, we'll come on to that in a second, but I mean, give us a quick, quick sketch on your, on your, on your background and, and what sort of things you've been up to for the last, 20 odd years what, what, what have you been doing in IT? My background in 1979 I got my first IT job Barclay I'm not telling you how many years ago that was you can count them up for yourself um, a lot and I've, I've done almost every job you can do in IT I've gone from being a hardware you know go around to customers and, and uh. their terminals which at that time were teletypes uh. through you know serious hardware work on mini computers through to system stuff, software, operating system, um, you know, debugs, through to heavy system support, third line, through to, I moved from there. That was interesting. I was given a project, oh, 20 years ago or more now, by the company I then worked for, who said, why is it that some of our customers think our servers are fantastic, the best things they ever had, and they're really reliable and really good and really performant, and they love them. And some of our customers hate us and say our servers aren't reliable and they keep breaking and they never perform properly. What's the difference? Why is it that some work well and some don't? Is it, you know, the ones that were manufactured on Friday or what? And I went out and did a bit of research and I came back and I said, well, what it is is some of your customers are doing something they call service management. And what that means is that they're managing their incidents and their problems and their changes and their releases and their capacity and they're the ones that love you. And some of your customers are just living with the events that happen to them. Mm. And they keep living the same events over and over and over again. And they're the ones that hate you. And it was that that got me into service management about 20 years ago. Mm. So, so with, with, with HP, I mean, presumably, because you were consulting with them and training and authoring and all that kind of stuff, aren't you? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, HP did give me some fantastic opportunities. So... They allowed me to be involved as an ITIL author. I was involved with the HP education department, writing training courses and delivering them. I was doing consulting. That was my daytime job. I was doing some internal consulting. I was doing quite a lot of knowledge management because I was leading up a, an internal group that did um, knowledge management for IT service management across you know, uh -huh. literally thousands of practitioners around the company. So, yeah, I had a fantastic job. I really enjoyed it. But an opportunity came up, and I'm now working for myself, and I'm really happy at it. And what surprised me is I'm still managing to get all the different breadth of things that I love doing. I'm still doing some writing, some knowledge management, some customer consulting, some mm -hmm. development of best practice, all the things I love doing, and I'm doing it for myself now. It's brilliant. So what, what sort of, um, just without violating any NDAs what uh, what things have you got coming up at the moment what do you what's the big challenges that I'm you've working got? with a fairly big organization looking at how they do 
Um, I suppose it's a whole service transition. They said change and configuration management, but they uh -huh. meant change configuration and release management. And basically, how they are getting software, hardware, and what have you from ideas through to deployment. And yeah, it's not as good as it could be, but I don't think it's quite as bad as I thought it was. And we're coming up with improvement plans for how they're going to fix it all and put it right. So I always enjoy having real customer-facing consulting work like that to do because I've seen too many people that I've known and respected get caught up in writing books and going the lecture circuit and they, they forget what it's actually like for people trying to run a service desk or trying to run a, a cab. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Cybersecurity book is really interesting. So we put together a very, very kind of high level draft of what it might look like. And then we fleshed out some of the chapters at a quite a high level, just, you know, this is what the content here is going to be. And then we immediately put that out for a small review of, you know, a dozen or so people that were under an NDA, just to, because what we wanted to do, unlike previous best practice stuff we've done before, was to get some feedback before anybody would put in so much work that it was hard to take the feedback on board. I think that's so positive, um, you know, given given the way it's gone in the past and, you know, that, that you get things to review at the last minute when you can't do anything. So you, you basically created the structure and, and some some content before you've gone any further. Yeah, and that, that means that we, we're, we're going to sound out the market. Now, the market for the cybersecurity book is not primarily heavy information security people, although, you know, it has an information security focus, but it's more your run-of-the-mill IT service management people, IT people, um, people in a company that need to understand security but aren't security specialists. Mm. It's kind of aimed at everybody rather than aimed at the specialist. Yep. Uh, I, I had a, under NDA, I've had a, a look and it's, it, I was able to understand it, which is... Uh, which is something. Um, so that's that's going to be positive, and uh, <laughs> hopefully you <laughs> you'll get. <laughs> I, I can't remember any any of it, but you can understand it. That's that, that's that's point one. So lots lots going on. I mean, lots lots happening. That's really good. I mean, the the positive. It's a good decision then to to move on and and play your own uh, play your own little consultancy. Pleased with that? Is that something that's been positive for you, Stuart? Yeah, yeah, it's going very well, and it's. Um, I tell you what, the, the things that you have to do to run a company are a nightmare. I mean, just the admin rubbish, which I always used to be able to leave to other people. You run your own company, Barkley. You're familiar with all this, aren't you? I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, and and I still never, I still never really get to liking it. But uh, I, you know, if you can find ways of outsourcing any of it and and just being able to or simplifying it. Um, you know, making it easy for yourself, then do so because it does give you every every moment of time that you have for yourself is development or thinking or selling time. Everything else, you know, if, if you don't, if it's not something that you're adding value to, then you know, shift it out, shift it out. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm gradually learning that. <laughs> yeah, well, you got all the registration done. You got the lo you got you got a logo now and everything, which is which I think I commented or I made some comment on online um so, yeah. but it looks very good it looks very good um i just, just sort of i mean while you're here i thought it'd be good to have a, a quick chat around about you know a topic for the for the day which which for me at the moment one of the big topics is is csi and um by that i don't mean you know like miami and new york and, and vegas but <laughs> continual service improvement CSI which i think ITSM. csi uh, <laughs> csi norwich 
Um, <laughs> which, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where I think for a long time, it, it, the content and the, and the ideas and how you do it has, has been there, but it, it's been thought of as, you know, I hated the fact that it was book five, whereas it should have been book one or, or just, you know, there should have been four books with CSI embedded in it. Um, and, and as soon as we start thinking about it as something separate, then we probably lost the plot about it um, in the first place. But there's, there's renewed and continuing interest around it. Um, what, what are you seeing in this area, Stuart, that, that, that's different or that's developed in the last year or two as opposed to how we thought about it before? To be honest, what I'm seeing is pretty much what I've always seen, which is that it's like problem management. Actually, problem management is, most of problem management, if you think about it, is CSI. Yeah, yeah. And most of CSI gets treated with the same level of investment as problem management. People either don't do it at all or say they're doing it, and it's very limited. Mm. And that's frustrating because of all the things you can do to improve the value you're delivering from service management, continual improvement has got to be the one with the biggest return on investment. It's not hard mm. to set up a CSI register, to do some assessments of various things, not just processes, but services and customer satisfaction and all stuff like that, to go out and talk to your customers and say, we're going to be doing an improvement program next year. What are the three or four things that you'd love to see us add to our list of improvement opportunities to do the same with your IT staff and then to prioritize them and to pick the things that you actually want to focus on is such an obvious thing to do and it's not very hard and to do so and and to do more you know proper measurement and and you know to build build data around about what you're doing so that you can track otherwise you're just talking you know it's vapor vapor not vaporware but vapor talk really isn't it it's just I, I wrote a blog recently on metrics for change management. I can't even remember if it's published yet. But um, basically I was saying your metrics for anything you do need to be focused on how it creates value, mm. not on internal stuff that nobody but you cares about. Mm. So if you're doing something like, say, change management, then sit down and think about what's really important about it for the customer. Mm -hmm. And you'll say, well, protecting the business from negative impact of change, that's important. Or they might say, achieving the speed of change that the business needs, that's important. You might end up with three or four, and no more than three or four, really high-level critical success factors. And then you can put in two or three and no more KPIs for each of those. And that's not very hard to do. And then that should be all you measure and report, which are numerical and they're specific and measurable and achievable and all of this. You only report them because they demonstrate that you achieved the critical success factor, the thing you agreed with your stakeholders you were going to achieve. So in other words, the report to the customer says, we said we would protect you against a negative impact of change. We said we'd measure it with these three things. These are the numbers. We think we did protect you against a negative impact of change. Do you agree? Rather than, here are the numbers. We achieved our goals. Mm -hmm. I off customer, which I see too much of. Well, not just that as well. I think it's putting it into business, yeah. method, isn't it? Rather than just, we have, you know, our SLAs have been met. This month we've yeah. achieved 96 percent, whatever. It means nothing to yeah. business, does it? So putting no, it into language as well is, it's like you said, it's it's useful information to business as well. In order to to do CSI, you've got to have a good baseline of how well you're doing now against not against internal metrics, but against customer-facing metrics, against things that people want to pay for. And if you haven't got those metrics to start, 
and you invest in improvements. So yeah, probably the hardest bit of CSI is getting a real meaningful baseline of real meaningful metrics in place. There's lots of good advice, uh, but nobody seems to be taking it. Um, no, I mean, in terms of what metrics you might use to build up those, I mean, I, I do see it as a kind of hierarchy that you, that, that you, it's not that you don't, or don't need to measure your internal operational stuff. It, that that's useful, but it's it's not the it's only the means to the end rather than the end in itself. So there's there there, there is lots there. I mean, I, I do think that the uh, metrics book is actually pretty good from that point of view. And and also, I mean, there's other types of metrics that you can use. It's just that question of seeing them from the customer viewpoint first rather than the other way around. And uh, that's still the difficult bit for. Uh, people in IT is, is just uh, having to go out and actually engage and talk to people first. A lot of time, Barclay, for the, for the balanced scorecard approach is saying, mm. give me metrics in four areas. One, what's it look like for the customer? Two, how well are my internal processes running? Three, what do the finances look like? And four, what am I doing to learn and improve? I like that balance. It's 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 good because it you know it, it it means that you have to satisfy more than one or two criteria and and too often we see people being satisfied by just you know meeting one or two relatively low level metrics you know like first call and first call resolution or or, or whatever it is um, call answering when when actually that's only one fraction or one part of the of the picture you have to see it as a as a joined up system and 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 that. To me, is the problem with way too many outsourcing agreements is that they are based on you know individual operational metrics rather than you know bigger picture outcomes, and it and it also stops the relationship really developing unless you've got both parties who are really enlightened about it. You need you need to have people who who can who are bigger than the SLEs. You know the thing I was saying about the asset the, the watermelon, it's green on the outside but it's red red on the inside. So how do you how do you get away from that whole approach that's just achieving stuff that's actually of very little value to anyone. It's interesting stuff and we'd like to uh, continue the, the conversation. I'm just looking at the time, I think, thinking of maybe wrapping up here. Um, Stuart, I mean, c could I just ask you, I mean, in terms of like the rest of the year, I mean, we've, it's quite it's quite an interesting time in, in, in the service management, but what, what are your hopes? What, are you, what do you think, what would you like to see have happened, you know, over the next year in, in service management and, you know, given what, well, what we're hearing about Axel. As you so know, on. I've been working on the Taking Service Forward adaptive service model where we're looking at creating an architecture for service management, not for mm -hmm. IT service management, but for service management. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, we've got a very high level meta model and we started talking to people about it. And it's terribly encouraging because for the first time ever, we had a session last week where there was a real meeting of minds between service management people, enterprise architecture people, and academics studying service about what a service is, what it means, what the constituent parts are. And I think we're going to end up with something really, really useful. It's quite theoretical at the moment, but we know where we're going, and it will end up with a model of what a service is I think will be incredibly valuable all round. And then my next job on that is going to be trying to persuade people in Axelos that this will be quite a good basis for thinking about a future release of ITIL. 
And mm. I think that will be hard work, because I don't think Kymar's convinced at the moment, because architecture isn't really the sort of thing that he's into. But, I mean, I think it's really interesting, because actually some of the, the, the better um, sites and, and implementations that I've seen in the last year or two are, are, have been where those people really do work to get, you know, the, at, at the early stage, the architecture people and, and the service management people have, have joined up, and they're not just, again, plowing their own track. Um, That's but, unusual. I mean, it, it 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 is, but it's it's. It, I think it's it's just an essential part of this is is that these people do actually get together. So I mean, what you're saying about the definition of the ser of a service, I mean, I, I certainly recognise that from a lot of the service catalogue stuff. Is is that people have different understandings and different definitions and different views of what service is, and I I don't think we have a single definition of that probably because there isn't one because because there are so many different things it could be but i mean yeah. is that a service catalog is, is a yeah a service catalog is a great example of where you actually need to know what a service is because what you put in it depends on what you think services are yeah so i mean the consensus we've come to so far is that a service is not really one thing that it covers yeah. a number of different things and service might be better off thought of as an adjective rather than as a noun so we have service offerings we have service acts or service yeah. transactions, we have service agreements, as you already know, we have service systems which enable us to deliver the services. Yeah. But to say we have a service, well, it might be better if we pull that back and say we have a service offering or we have a service transaction. We can define those things. There's certainly different components like that and there, and there are probably different types of services as well, aren't there? I mean, there are different ones that are, I suppose, more direct technical services and some that are more supporting business outcomes that are a number of things combined uh, or, or a number of components combined. So if, if that kind of language, that kind of landscape was mapped out in a way that was agreed, then that would that would really help us. Because, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time on taxonomy on, on that, uh, you know, just yep. defining the difference between a service level agreement and, and, a, and a service and an offering and all these other bits and pieces. Exactly. So the, I mean, the, the other one in this space is that the old distinction between a product and a service is no longer as clear as it used to be uh, because typically we sell bundles of things and those yeah. bundles of things include some things that are more product-like and some that are more service-like and some that are slap-bang in the middle. Yeah, I mean, the, cl the classic sort of view is, is, you know, of an internal IT organization would be the, the, the kind of standard user services like, I don't know, phones, laptops, access devices. Well, there's definitely product in those, isn't there? There's product in those, but then when you get to the more on the application side, it's much more about department and outcome and people. And so it, it may be several applications. It may be several types of support. It may be several different aspects of IT, of technology that's actually supporting them. Um, I think that would be a great, I mean, if, if that's defined and defined in a way that's inclusive and, um, you know, gets some traction across the industry, then I think that would be a really positive step. Because there, there is still a lot, I mean, I, I kind of vary between thinking that this is this stuff is quite well nailed down and then the next day I think, actually, no, it's, it's, it's a complete can of worms. So some clarity on that would be really useful. And, and if Axel has picked up on it, then so, so much the better. Um, the, the trick is going to be getting something that is helpful and meaningful to people who are not academic or architects, but which is 
has sufficient rigor for the academics and the architects. And we do need to do that. It needs to have enough rigor in it that it makes sense, but it also needs to be accessible. Well, I, I think it's going to be accessible first. I think, I think we've had too much of the academic approach in the past that, you know, and, and sometimes I still see stuff on social media that just makes me think, have these guys ever run an IT operation? And you know, I mean, just because <laughs> they're not talking to, you know, they're not talking the language of the, the guy who's trying to just run a shop that, that's that's effective and working, and, and he or she just needs to know what to do. Fair enough, they don't need to get into the strategy part, but the language for me too much has been far too overblown, I think, in the past. The vision for me is that we could have an architecture that was sufficiently good that you could see there's the space where an incident management process would slot into the architecture, and then you could say to somebody, go and write a book about incident management, but you've already got all your inputs defined, all your outputs defined, all your interfaces defined. You've just got to say what happens in between them. So effectively, you're, you're talking about actually having a, a, a core set of definitions, principles, standards um, defined that, that, that actually join together that the other publications or content would then come out of. That's what I would love to see. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think from what, back from what we're seeing earlier about the approach, the longer term approach to the content, because if we, if we had another waterfall idle every four or five years, we're not, you know, we'd have to do that, but we'd have to start that now. So we might as well be doing that. And maybe then, maybe then in a couple of years time, the, the, the next level just does fall out of it, or maybe it just doesn't. Maybe we just got enough content created at the structural level and at the kind of, you know, spin-offs, all the other little books and publications are there, but they all hang together with the, the main content. Maybe, maybe we don't need it. You know, it might be that we don't need I don't need know to. yet, but yeah. yeah, it's possible. Okay, well, that's fascinating stuff. And um, just looking at the, the time, and obviously Rebecca has fallen asleep now because we've been prattling. <laughs> um, I'm still, I was listening very, very intently. We take it in turns to, uh, to doze off on, on this. Just like to thank Stuart for, for your... Um, your time and your insight on, on this. Thanks very much and hope to see you again on here very soon. Thank you. It was an enjoyable chat. And uh, good luck with all those with all those endeavours. Um, we'll be back in a, another month uh, with another guest and more topics. Uh, we'll be at this, probably be recording something live at SITS uh, and then something soon after then. But um, Rebecca, what, what are you going to be packing for uh, San Francisco just before we go? Well, I, I made I a mistake with <laughs> I made I made a big mistake with pink in that when I looked at the average temperatures for that time of year and thought, okay, jumpers and boots and things, and then it was twenty five degrees and I nearly died of heat exhaustion. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm thinking you, you, everything maybe that I have in my wardrobe just to cover all eventualities. That's a, a low-risk um, approach. Um, might be high cost, but low-risk. Um, I hope you enjoy San Francisco. I, for sits, I will just be packing um, my myself and and uh, a few. And your uh, onesie, because you you have your logo onesie, don't you? That we discussed before on Twitter. That I I have I have never worn a onesie. Your ITSM goodness onesie. <laughs> no, the, the, this breaking news: there will be ITSM goodness mugs. Um, <laughs> Uh, and as well as the uh, uh, USB cards, but um, no, looking forward to uh, all fortune cookies. Uh, fortune cookies, no, I, I'm not doing any more of them. Fortune cookies are always a favourite.
well, there's, oh, there's a few left. But oh, I like those. Yeah, they're, they're just, you have to keep storing them and, and then they go off and then you can't take them anywhere and, and then your kids eat them all. So um, I'm not doing them this time. <laughs> but I'm going to be doing uh, ITC and goodness pies. That's That's the next thing. We'll see oh, how successful. Oh, yeah. They're probably more be more difficult to store than than fortune cookies. Yeah, but full of wholesome goodness. Um, and on that note, I think we'll wrap it up <laughs> and uh, say thank you very much uh, and thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our friends at Manage Engine. Manage Engine's portfolio of help desk management solutions, including Service Desk Plus deliver a comprehensive platform to manage your end users and provide efficient support. Learn more at www.manageengine.com.